BAM Radio Network. You're pretty critical of standardized testing as standing in the way of the types of curriculum reform you'd like to see. Why is that? Well, the evidence is pretty overwhelming now. In your view, how would schools measure progress and ensure that some students aren't falling behind and not getting the academic knowledge and skills they need? It's really important that we uh, do measure progress. In fact, tests are part of this, but they needn't be high stakes. Welcome to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host. As schools continue to recover from the pandemic, there are increasing questions and uncertainty about the direction they should take going forward. But what if schools were explicitly organized around student engagement and well-being? I'm Anthony Rabora, Editor-in-Chief of ASCD's Educational Leadership. I'm joined today by Andy Hargreaves. He is the co-author of a new book titled Well-Being in Schools, Three Forces That Will Uplift Your Students in a Volatile World. Welcome, Professor Hargreaves. In your article in the December issue of Educational Leadership, you write, I believe the best paths forward for schools will be those that increase students' engagement with their learning, with each other, and with their lives. So student engagement has always been important. Why do you think it is such a pressing issue right now? Well, even before the pandemic, ASCD's own surveys and Gallup polls showed that up to about half our kids, particularly in high school, were disengaged from their learning quite a lot at a time. What the pandemic did was really bring that onto the horizon of the public's attention and the profession's attention. A lot of teachers are realizing that their kids were tuning out, turning off, walking away a lot from their learning. So as we come out of the pandemic, one of the first things we really need to do is to get kids uh, engaged with learning, loving learning, liking to be back at school and enjoying what they're studying, believing that they can achieve, connecting with their friends. And we need to do this much more than giving priority to testing kids, finding gaps and giving them more basic instruction in uh, catch-up skills after school and in the holidays and at weekends. So what are some examples that you consider engaging curriculum instruction? What would you look for if you were visiting a school? There's many ways to engage kids in school. Our kids engage in things that are creative, magical, exciting, surprising, innovative. Are they doing things that are meaningful and purposeful, that connect with their interests, that connect with their lives? Are they connected with kids around them? So are they not learning on their own so much, but also learning uh, cooperatively, developing a sense of uh, belonging and attachment to their class, to other people at the same time? Do they have a voice and do they have some choice in what they're learning? And are they able to focus and uh, develop a sense of mastery? Engagement isn't only about fun and happiness. It's about doing things that are hard, that are difficult, that are challenging and important but having teachers who can help us develop that sense of mastery. You also write that well-being and inspired teaching go hand in hand. What do you mean by that? We often see academic instruction and support for student well-being as sort of separate domains in school, but you're bringing them together. Yeah, that often does happen. I think, first of all, we need to realize that in learning, engagement is really the key lever for learning. If you come from minoritized culture, if you come from a disadvantaged home, if you live in poverty, then there is so much else to overcome that figuring out ways to get kids engaged is a way to get them learn and also to be well. One of the ways we create wellness uh, and uh, a feeling of fulfillment is not aside from learning, not as a support for learning, but, but actually through the nature of the learning itself, that, that if you feel successful, you're more likely 
to feel well. At, at the same time, if uh, kids aren't engaged with their learning, it's a sign of one of two things. Either there's something going on with, with the child, with the student, with their home background, with their relationships with their friends, perhaps they're being bullied or something. And uh, at the same time, it can be a window and there's something wrong with the instruction. It's not responsive. It's not connected to their culture and their lives. The learning has no meaning for them. In your book, you and your co-author, Dennis Shirley, identify three areas of focus for well-being, prosperity for all, ethical technology use, and restorative nature. So you're saying, in effect, the curriculum should be organized around these priorities. Is that correct? There's a lot of talk in in our society, actually, that uh, the priority for about 40 years was about economic growth, about how much Mm -hmm. we could improve GDP. And I think in a lot of areas, including education, but we're obsessed with the numbers, how we could get the performance numbers up, how we could close the gaps in the numbers. Perhaps data took on a bit too much of a profile, actually, in our thinking. And there's a lot of leadership now, including uh, Biden's economic advisor, Heather Bushi, that says the most important thing is actual quality of life. Now, whether we expand the economy or what have you is uh, may or may not be important, but, but quality of life and feeling that we have prosperity, not to be wealthy in money, but to be rich in life. This is the first important thing. I think the the second force we talk about is the importance of not just more technology, blended technology, hybrid technology, just using technology because it's there, but but really thinking hard and ethically about how well, how much, and in what ways we use the technology. I'm thinking about the risks of the technology, such as digital addiction, excess uh, screen time. We need to think about having an ethical approach to technology, not just an exuberant approach to to more and more technology. And thirdly, I think one thing we've learned through the pandemic with physically distancing and how to teach kids uh, when they're physically distanced is actually we can do this outside. And there are places around the world that have now committed to uh, investing in more outdoor learning spaces. You're pretty critical of standardized testing as standing in the way of the types of curriculum reform you'd like to see. Why is that? Well, the evidence is pretty overwhelming now. Uh, Standardized testing does yield sometimes some genuine gains, some genuine gains in uh, performance numbers and some attention to groups who've been neglected and overlooked and trying to narrow the gaps for their performance. But I I think we're realizing pretty well now through a lot of researchers like uh, Dan Koretz and many others that, that the costs outweigh the benefits And the costs are considerable. The costs are to student anxiety, to uh, narrowing the curriculum, to teaching for the test, to being indoors too much uh, rather than outdoors because we're engaged in test prep all the time. And what we found in our research, even in Ontario, in Canada, where the stakes are not so high, where you're not punished for bad results, where your school isn't uh, closed down. But even there, we found that teachers avoid innovation in the grades that are tested, and even in the grade before the grades that are tested. So testing is also undermining what we believe to be so important now, which is innovation, creativity, entrepreneurial skills, and so on. In your view, how would schools measure progress and ensure that some students aren't falling behind and not getting the academic knowledge and skills they need? It's really important that we uh, do measure progress. In fact, tests are part of this, but they needn't be high stakes. We do really already have very good methods in the U.S. of of how to measure 
progress and performance over time. And because of the pandemic, I think we have two new tools available that can really help us. One is uh, instant digital feedback and and assessments Mm -hmm. uh, that we've learned about by learning through technology and learning at home. So we we really need to push that. And also uh, teacher judgments being collaborative judgments. So teachers have collaborated more during the pandemic. So shared judgments about what students' work is worth rather than idiosyncratic individual judgments. Bring these two things together and we can really push forward on uh, much better assessment strategies for measuring progress. What advice do you have for school leaders and educators who want to pursue the kind of changes you're talking about? What are the first steps they could take? The first steps for leaders is uh, remember the most important thing leaders do is working with teachers. So if the teachers are not well, the kids will not be well. So take care of the teachers. If the teachers are a mess, the kids will be a mess. Don't neglect that. And one of the best ways that we make teachers well is by not avoiding harm, but creating an environment in the school where teachers work together, find their work fulfilling, um, feel that they've got uh, discretion and power in their judgment. They're not micromanaged from, from the top. And if teachers are well and if teachers are engaged, then the kids will be engaged. That's really one of the first priorities. Of course, all that has to be a focus on uh, broad excellence, on equity, on inclusion, and on diversity. So we can't do this for any purpose that we like or that we prefer. The purpose really matters. But working with the adults as a community to focus on that and, and to make the work feel not only important and morally worthwhile, but, but enjoyable and fulfilling and rewarding. So teachers really want to come into school every day, just like we really want the kids to come into school every day. That's the biggest difference that our leaders can make. Thank you, Andy, for, for joining us. We really appreciate having you on. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us as well. To learn more about Professor Hargreaves' book and his recent article in Educational Leadership, go to www.ascd.org. You've been listening to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Thanks for listening. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.